Podcasting from a spare bedroom in exurban Atlanta. Welcome to the Godless Heathens Podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Don. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jerry. This is a podcast by atheists that talks about a lot of things, not just atheism. And boy, is that true this week. (laughs) We will challenge your assumptions and ours too. Definitely not here to preach to the atheist choir, but to critique, ridicule, and poke fun at anyone, especially ourselves. So join us as we examine the crossroads of politics and religion from the secular perspective. And remember, don't believe everything you hear in this podcast, or anywhere else for that matter, unless you've independently verified it for yourself. In other words, Google Google Duck that that shit. shit. (laughs) That was a little loud, sorry. That's fun. That's usually me making that. That's true. I I don't have a cooler to rustle around in the ice. (laughs) Episode 45. Oh, do we have something to go with 45? Colt. Colt. Colt 45. (laughs) Impeach. The malt liquor. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm down with that. But I I would be down with the malt liquor episode, too. Which we need to get through 45. Oh, yeah. Lots of it. First time. We've said, we've we've warned, (laughs) we should say, we've warned him before on many occasions, but the first time we actually have... Jesus? Our long-threatened. Our long-threatened guest. Andy Stanley? No. No. <laughs> Not anybody from the Shepherd's Chapel. All right. So I'm going to introduce Tom. And uh, I met Tom, I think it's been like four years That's ago or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. He um, messaged me through our atheist meetup group asking as a theist uh, right. if it's okay if he comes and, and joins our group. And I kind of said, well, no. <laughs> so not to be exclusive. <laughs> we're clues. But we're kind of a, you know, we want to try to escape religion mm-hmm. best we can. So that might not be the best uh, setup. We got together on numerous occasions and had interesting conversations. And it was shortly after that you started a, a group up in right. Woodstock. I'll let mm-hmm. you explain okay. That. So, yeah, we've known each other for four years and have had some good conversation, and I consider you a friend. Well, so. thank you. That means a lot. So I would say the same. Well, thank you. And so if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, again, my name is Tom, and I'm originally from Tennessee, East Tennessee. Go Vols. I grew up in a family. Mom and Dad had a sister. I trusted in Jesus at a very early age, like age seven and was raised in church, and it was reinforced in the home, and really never knew anything else than that, thought of anything else than that. It's just been a constant part of my life. Went to public school, went to the University of Tennessee for a while, did some outreach ministry group through Young Life and and other avenues, and then uh, ended up graduating from Covenant College, which is up on Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga, to Christian Liberal Arts College of the PCA, Presbyterian Church in America, so conservative, uh, Reformed Presbyterian, met who would be my wife there as well, and we got married a couple years later, lived in Chattanooga for a while, came down to Atlanta. I work in banking, so job brought me down here, and 
So, so just to, to go back as far as just who I am in terms of my faith, that's just always been such a part of my life. I've, I've never went through a questioning phase or a rebellious phase or I'm going to doubt this. I'm going to leave the church while it's just always been there for me. And which doesn't mean life has always been easy, but that has always given me peace and joy that's helped me endure some challenges and some trials. And I would say especially through the adoption of our son a few years ago. And that, that could, that's a long, long story, but really an essential part of how we handle that was from our perspective of faith. But how a little bit more on how I connected with you and what I do on the meetup. I, I became convicted a few years ago that I kept a pretty close circle of other like-minded people, which I think is everybody's right, by the way. And you were totally, it was your right to close me out of your group. Um, but I, I just didn't know. That was a slam. No, it wasn't. No, I know. No, I know. I know. no I be, I'm a firm believer in freedom of association with whom you want to and close off whom you want to. And, and I have no trouble with that. Which, by the way, I forgot to mention, thank you all very much for this invitation uh, to join you. It really is an, uh, a privilege to be here. And I am honored that you would invite me. I do listen to the podcast yeah. uh, quite frequently. And uh, I, I do have an appreciation for your input and your perspective. Perspective, even if I don't agree, it's just it's a good mind exercise to think through. Anyway, back to um, you don't listen to all of them. Obviously. No, I don't. I don't listen to overtly <laughs> political <laughs> ones or ones I think are like really attack attack. But anyway, so a few years ago, I I became convicted that I didn't know many people outside of my perspective, though I've had many discussions with them in my head, which I always win, by the way. (laughs) Uh, I figured it was time to actually engage people. And so that's why I reached out to you and have enjoyed those interactions. And then I started the meetup group, say the name, uh, Woodstock Questioners, Mm -hmm. which is through Meetup. And I'm usually the only Christian there. I open it to anybody and everybody. There's no rule on what you... I don't have rules on what you can believe, Jeff. But um, Ooh, no. that, that wasn't even a velvet. That, was a, that wasn't that even was a, a velvet shiv. That but, was a straight, uh, right forward. Here it comes. But um, uh, and usually I am the only Christian there, and I put tags on there to encourage people of all different beliefs, non-beliefs, to come. And the only real rules I have are you treat each other with kindness and respect. And you try to really understand and be able to explain the other perspective before you attack it. And that just helps make sure we're not attacking something that's not really what that person believes. And really enjoy that. We've been going three years now, and we've had pretty good turnout regularly, really good discussions. A couple of times a month that we meet, lively, passionate, but usually very respectful. I've only had twice to have a conversation with someone to ask them to tone it down or perhaps take a break from coming because it turned it was a bit disruptive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're coming just to argue and bicker, it's not productive. But if you're coming to engage and, and challenge and be challenged, that makes for good discussion. I've been, I think, twice. Yeah. Probably been more than I have. Yeah, I try to get there mm-hmm. when I can. It's been mm-hmm. kind of hard. Mm-hmm. I hope to maybe come this yeah. Sunday. Good, yeah. good. It's always yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. But when I came earlier, though, you used to have a few more Christian people that came. Or questioning, questioning. Uh, yeah, it, it's varied from time to time. Yeah. Uh, I usually don't get anybody from my church. Usually I'm the only one there. And uh, But lately, uh, a couple of the ladies have come. And it's really amazing because I know these ladies and I know how it's 
outside of their comfort zone yeah. to do that. So I'm uh, really appreciate. I did forget to mention. So I'm also an elder, which is on the ruling body of my church, which is a Christ Covenant Presbyterian here in Woodstock. What so, are you drinking? Oh, oh yeah. Well, forgot. in yeah. honor of being invited here, I brought a bottle of Richland rum. This is the single estate Old South Georgia rum cask strength, unaltered, unfiltered, single barrel select. He's welcome from, anytime. That's, <laughs> that's a story just for the title. Yeah. So it's from L- Richland, Georgia, between Columbus and Ackworth. And, um, and I drink it very sparingly, special occasions, which I it's would say this is. So. Definitely good sipping stuff, that's for sure. And so I'm sipping that, and I'm also having, thanks, Larissa, bringing this back from Colorado. It's called a Cherry Bomber Ale. It's from Golden City Brewery. In, in Golden City. Now, who, or, or Golden, Colorado. Who else brews beer in Golden, Colorado? Of course. Colorado? Of course. Yeah. Of course. We don't like Coors anymore, but this is quite You did good. not like this. I, I, was, I was not a fan. I didn't Which, like it. cough syrup or what? The I, cherry? Just not for me. Hmm. Kind of like the beer that I brought. That's also, not, not for, for me. me. Really? Yeah. No. Really? I'm drinking Dang. a good. Decanate Ales Pecan Pie, double IPA with pecans and maple syrup added, and no. Oh, I thought no. that was a, a stout big fat, when I big saw fat the bowl of no. I could have told you no before you tried it. <laughs> I, it, is, it is the maple syrup part. Mm. There mm. are a few maple syrup beers that actually taste like maple syrup. And anyone, feel free. It's still cold. I will not be drinking anymore. Which is why I bought a spare. I did bring um, uh, an IPA from these people too. That's really good. So you know. So I, I'm in I need quest I share. for a maple syrup beer that does not taste like burnt sugar. And you also brought a whiskey. No, not a whiskey. What it's, is it? it? It's a rum. It's a rum. Oh, this my is bad. called Dooley's rum. I thought we'd have dueling rum <laughs> okay. here, and this is a Barbados rum. I, yeah, I'm not sure what I which one I like better. And then I have. Casalero del Diablo, uh, and I put it into Google Translate, and it's uh, Devil's Locker. So it's from the Devil's Locker, I guess. That sounds pretty good. It fits. <laughs> but it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty good. It's just, a, a again, a red blend. Oh, so w- one thing I wanted to um, just kind of, kind of clarify yeah. is, so my background theologically is from the Presbyterian Church right. as well. Right. A different form of yes. Presbyterian Church. And... Until I did some deep studies on that, I didn't really realize all the, uh, you know, the breakaways and all that kind of <laughs> history. Permutations. So the PCA mm-hmm. is a you know a Southern-born church. Yes, and it's conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you can explain some of that sure, stuff. Sure. But when we first moved down here from up north, from mm-hmm. Kansas City, <clears throat> where we went to a Presbyterian church there, we stopped to a Presbyterian church around our neighborhood here. Didn't know what PCA meant. Okay. And so when we saw that there was no women participants and no women elders, okay, right. it was all male. It's like, ooh, this is kind of weird. Okay. What's up with this? And that's when I kind of learned there's different Presbyterian churches in the South. Yes. Well, all over. If the, I think Presbyterians do a lot of things well. One of the things they really do well is divide and and use the alphabet to create more denominations. Really? Yeah. There, there, there are a lot of various PCA and Reformed churches, and some leave and form new for good reasons, some do not. And and I don't want to go through all the history, but yeah, the PCA was formed in 73 uh, out of the PCUS, and the motto, so to speak, is for a continuing church that it views itself as being the continuing church 
back into the Southern Presbyterian Church of late 1800s, early 1900s. You know, the Northern and the Southern had split back in the Civil War and then rejoined in the 20th century. And so we came out of the Southern PCUSA, or PCUS. I can't even get yes, them Yes, PCUS. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. We don't have female elders or pastors. We have a an ongoing conversation of female deacons, and there are arguments both sides of that. But right now, that's a no? Correct. Okay. Correct. That it's something that it could possibly be? It could, and some, some of our churches do not ordain, so to speak, deacons, because there's a question of is, is the deacon an ordained officer or an installed officer? This may be too much church polity for your listeners, but those who view it as an installed office have them, and they will, they would call them deaconesses. But the perspective is all of God's people are to deacon, which means to serve, and there are some that have the office of deacon, and they are specially called for that purpose. Yeah, the church I was in, I was a, a deacon, and that was more to serve and take care yeah. of the congregation. Mercy ministry. Right, yeah, and we'd visit people in hospitals mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a managerial, it wasn't anything like that. Right. That's what the elders did. Right. So. One unrelated question. When you introed and said you don't like the shows that attack, attack, <laughs> what does that mean? Good question. Yeah, I saw your face on that one. <laughs> oh, shoot. I didn't hide it. Maybe, I, and I w- if I could reference in particular, uh, I, I would like to be able to do it's that. It's something Don said, wasn't it? No, oh, no, no, it was. no, it's not. I, and, I, and I will tell you, I pick up that more from the title. So it may be a perception of here's how this is going to go more than how I listen. I would say the majority of the ones that I've listened to have not been attack, attack. Well, then you can't judge a book. By You're right. Covers. I could absolutely have missed some. A little clickbaity on the titles. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good job, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I, I'll clarify that. I, I don't listen to the ones that I perceive may be just constant attack, attack uh, Christianity or the church, but I could be wrong. And, 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 and that's probably the, an unfair. Yeah. The, and and want to do it was, the idea was not to, like, for uh, this or any part of the show, to put you on your heels. Oh, it's That's, okay. We're going to put Jeff on his probably more than <laughs> I've, you. I've been there. But I think we try at least to not just be that attack attack. Okay. So maybe <laughs> that I'm more sensitive to it or maybe unaware. We absolutely, me especially, do our fair share of fair share of. Uh, Attack. Being on the front foot, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. attacking. Mm-hmm. But like to think there's a rhyme and reason to it. But you know, we're not. We're also not listeners, right? So, well, and from that lens, either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I appreciate the opportunity to to clarify. In any statement I give, you have the right to put me on my heels for and give me, uh, <laughs> ask me to clarify, and I'm happy to do. Defend that. yourself. Yes. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a precursor to this at Dry County. Yes, mm-hmm. and didn't tape it. We should have taped it. That but was, certainly, certainly could have taped it. It was podworthy. Do you want to continue that conversation, or do you want to jump into another topic right now? So we went through and kind of listed some ideas for our conversation today. A lot of those were kind of based, you know, kind of a kind of a springboard out of that mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. And one of them, I don't know how deeply we got into the religious right, uh-huh. you know, which. You know, we know that that 80% of evangelicals voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if that number is still 
80% will vote yeah. for him in 2020 or not. 80% of white evangelicals? Of white evangelicals, yes. You're right. I mean, you have to clarify. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just defining what evangelicalism means, mm-hmm. you know, because the black <clears throat> church, we talked about William Barber, is um, United Church of Christ Church in Charlotte. North Carolina. Yeah, I think it's Charlotte or something. Yeah, North Carolina. Carolina somewhere. He considers himself a, an evangelical, but that's mm-hmm. you know, a different uh, definition of it. But... Anyway, there's strong <coughs> evangelical support for Trump even mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And I know when we were talking, well, that they would vote for even him now. again. <laughs> um, well, and, and part of it, I think, is because they're you know, getting some of their goodies met as far as the judges he's putting in, the Supreme Court, you know, maybe overturning Roe v. Wade. That's always been one of the things mm-hmm. since uh, the early mm-hmm. 70s. We talked about this last time. We're going to talk about it again. Yeah. That is your lens. Because when you say even now, you assume that there have been things that he has done or said that should violate what they believe in. And it doesn't. Well, morality-wise is what I'm talking about, where there used to be standards. If you remember under Clinton, Mm -hmm. you know, with the Monica Mm -hmm. Lewinsky Mm -hmm. thing. If you can't trust a man to be faithful to his wife, how can you trust him to run the country? So there was a different set of standards, it seemed like, back then Mm -hmm. versus all the things that are overlooked with Trump today. So So that's what I'm talking about is the mm -hmm. morality standard. I don't get how you are still aggravated about that. It aggravates you. <laughs> and you can correct me at any well, I mean, time I stop, but I'm not going to stop. So it's no. the hypocrisy, you know, that, you know, they had a standard not that many years ago. Political standard. Well, but it was a supposed morality standard as well. Well, and there were many Christians that were fond of saying we are voting for a commander-in-chief, not a pastor-in-chief. And that would be their way around that gave them an out on the morality issue that, right, that right. we don't hold. I, I would waver. I'm, I'm a bit ambivalent on that phrase uh, because I think it opens the door to, what's the word I'm looking for, that all you care about is the outcome, not how you get there. And it's just as it means? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'll come to it later. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, and so we're not holding the president to the same moral standard as we would a pastor, but we would like someone who would help forward our agenda. That's the way a lot of people looked at that. And that's, I couldn't vote this past presidency. I know we've talked about that right, some. Right. And, and for me, I view my vote as a covenant that I'm endorsing this person wholeheartedly. And I just, I couldn't with him. And I'd actually stopped voting an election prior to that. So it wasn't just for Trump, but I wouldn't have anyway. I, but was with Trump, so you wouldn't was vote it? for McCain either? No. I come. For McCain, I would not see him as someone who would embrace the agenda, when I say agenda, you know, the, the things I value. Maybe that's a better way of saying agenda, it. Agenda, I mean. And, and putting those forth. Because he's been agenda. soft on things that I would hold dear. So, no, I wouldn't have voted for McCain. Uh, pro-war and not strongly pro-life and pro huge government spending. So I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty pretty pro pretty anti-abortion. I thought McCain was pretty much on the record for that. But the other things that does lead to the same kind of thread is some of the things you talked about were policy wants and needs Mm -hmm. and not belief for theocracy or Mm -hmm. biblical. And I think that the big difference is almost always get back to policy. Mm -hmm. Almost always get back to policy because you can live your morality and your virtues, Mm -hmm. and you don't need to make sure that everybody else does too. 
Because when you get into that mode, then you're talking about policy, and that feels less religious mm-hmm. and more practical, but you guys tell me. Wait, wait, what's, what's an example of that? I just want to... Mm-hmm. About about like policy policy yeah that you're infringing on others is that oh, what you're, uh, well uh, abortion would be uh, abortion uh, for sure the separation of church and state uh, more than anything because uh, normally when we're talking about theocracy it's usually Christian it's not Muslim and there's certain sects that Orthodox or certain parts of the country where Orthodox Jews kind of mm-hmm. own that you know obviously Utah is is, Mormon country. Is, yep. you know, <clears throat> predominantly mm-hmm. Mormon. So there's areas where... Catholics up north, Baptists in the south. Yeah. And they swing their political stick to make sure that their values are also the community at large's mm-hmm. values. Mm-hmm. And that is policy. It's religious-driven mm-hmm. policy, but it's still policy. Right. And, and and like abortion to me is one of those things, if your beliefs don't believe in getting an abortion, then live by that okay. morality. Mm-hmm. But to make it a law for everybody else, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. Okay. You know, Are you one to go down that road now? Because <laughs> And that's fine. I had a follow-up for Jerry, okay, go if ahead, I may. Yeah. And, and a lot of times this is directed at Christians that you're trying to enforce a morality on others by how you vote and people that you want in office. Is that a fair statement? Sure. Is that no. a sure, sure? Or yeah, no, no, it's, it, okay. it, it's, it's sure for this okay. conversation. Okay. Absolutely. Would that also be the case really for anybody who is voting for a candidate? They are saying these are the values I have. These are things I would like to get done. This candidate seems to match that. I would like that candidate to go and enforce policy or, or an agenda or laws and rules. And those laws and rules, that agenda will be enforced or put upon the populace as a whole. So the outcome is the same. There are laws, there are policies that are going to be put out there and enforced. So Christians have as much a right to say these are ones we believe. Yeah, they do come from a religious perspective, but that doesn't necessarily invalidate them. And it's really the same that anybody else is trying to do. When you vote, are you not voting for an agenda or policies that you want to be put upon the populace? Well, Uh, one example would be socialized medicine, I I think, would be one thing that most Republicans are adamantly opposed to. Right. I'm adamantly opposed to how you described it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm adamant, adamant, adamantly opposed to it. All right, when you, I describe when you, it? You said socialized, socialized medicine. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I'm, that's, I'm using the other terms. Right, I don't understand. Single payer, don't, universal health care. Don't let them appropriate you, Jeff. <laughs> I bought in to the Kool Aid. So, any legislation but, is a legislation of a morality. Hmm. The question is whose and on what basis? So, it's a, a legislation of morality. So what's the mora- what's the morality of speed limits mm-hmm. and <clears throat> seat belts mm-hmm. and minimizing death? Baby, yeah, that's that's what's the morality in that? Doing less harm, minimizing mm-hmm. death. Life is better than death. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's seriously like mm-hmm. that's the like, li- also- like life is better than death. I mean, we, we yeah, want to minimize. Me. I would hope yeah. so. <laughs> we want to minimize yeah. death. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and death's gone down as yeah. soon as you know. I think it was like 1968 or whatever that they and put seatbelts in, yeah. and 
It's not just you hitting the pole; it's right. you hitting a kid. So right. I don't. Right. So so yeah. I, I don't. I don't feel very free when the man tells me that I that I can't drive as fast as I want, or that I that I have to wear a helmet when I ride a motorcycle, well, or I have to I have to buckle up. Why should I have to buckle up? You're a libertarian. It's my interest. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, am you can move. <laughs> you can move to a state that doesn't uh, require helmets. Oh, really? So I can go back. You know, I can go back from where I came or something. No, no. no. <laughs> you know, it freaks me out when I go to South Carolina or Florida and I see the motorcycle riders without helmets. <sighs> And part of me thinks that would be so cool to have That's the crazy. wind blowing through. And then the That's other part of me goes, though. I think I would wear the helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you've ever fallen over it's on a motorcycle, you. you see yeah. the uh, importance of a helmet. Yes. Yeah. But you know what? I don't, I don't like the man telling me <laughs> telling me what I, what I should and shouldn't do. What, what's, uh, it, what's it up to them? Because you're costing other people in your hospital bills. No, I'm, you know what? We're costing a lot of other people by low tax rates for billionaires. There's a morality in tax law. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, yes. there's a morality in, morality in law. how laws are enforced and who they're enforced upon. Yep. So, I mean, yep. you could stretch it to every decision anywhere mm-hmm. other than something that's just like math, which I don't think it's morality driving it. There are more practical reasons. You know, kids are in car seats now because there were a lot of kids in, in mom's laps in the passenger seat that went through the windshield. windshield. How many times do you see kids in the back of a pickup truck, you know, four or five of them, hair flying in the breeze, just... In a lawn chair. It's illegal. Now, if if you're over 18 and you're dumb enough to ride around in the back of a pickup truck, that's fine. Were you? But if you're under 18, it's illegal. How many times did you do it growing up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And by the way, it was pretty freaking great. Yeah. You know, that's how you, that's how you got 12 people, you know, to the other <laughs> parking lot or whatever, you know. You know, but and I, but I understand why 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 there's a law against it. You know, I totally understand it. You know, so there's all kinds of things that we voluntarily impose on or maybe not voluntary, involuntarily impose. But are we going to talk about morality when it comes to car seats? We don't talk about that. We talk about it in the most practical terms. We're going to save children. Right. We're going to save money. We're going to keep kids safe. But that is a type of morality. It's viewing those things are important and essential enough that we're going to restrict freedom of that decision on others to do that. And that freedom, how far that freedom extends to the individual seems to be cherry picked Mm -hmm. often. And are you free to control your actions and your body? But I'm betting during the time that they were passing the seatbelt law, there was a lot of people that were against it. Probably number one was the car manufacturers mm-hmm. because it's going to be an extra expense for them. Uh, the public was against impeachment for a long time uh, for Nixon <clears throat> and, and, until the hearings. So there wasn't a public consensus. There actually was a public consensus, and that was not to. And is that morality? Well, how else would you define that then? I guess if, if it's not morality, I. I guess I'm a little more, maybe, uh, practical is not totally pragmatic. the word. But that was the word I was looking for Pragmatic, pragmatic maybe. Yeah. I also believe that there is a <clears throat> collective good, a community good, mm-hmm. societal goods. I firmly believe that, particularly as we have this fight between government actually being something that can help the population or the only thing government's good at is nothing. We need to have less and less government. So that doesn't I mean what's the morality in that in those positions? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one example of that too would be 
during Nixon's era is when he started the EPA. Mm-hmm. So he had, if we want to call it morality or pragmatism or whatever, about, you know, it's not good to have rivers on fire. So let's start to regulate industries that are polluting our environment. Pretty big government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, under Republican. But now, you know, under Trump, he's unraveling all these EPA rules to they can pollute more and more into the environment. So is is that a morality or a how, – how would you define that, that issue? Well, I mean, because that's about – I would not. I would uh, over profits. I, I would get. I would get back to the evangelical part of the conversation that you are you avoided, and I'm going to bring back. <laughs> is I don't think that having a strong EPA and protecting the environment is moral. I, I may, may. You know what? Maybe I do. Maybe I think it is. I, I think it's impractical. It's not pragmatic. It's stupid for the long term safety of everyone on the every living thing on the planet. You know, if you want to look at that as, as a morality position, go right ahead. If you want to look at it from a practical position, when global warming and melting sea ice and disappearing coastland and mass migrations of people and difficulty in growing food and droughts and huge storms and heat and extreme cold. Yeah, talk about your immigration issues. Mm-hmm. All those yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, is it moral? Yeah, but it's awfully damn practical to make sure that we do everything we can to prevent us from doing that. And I don't really give a shit who opposes it almost and why, because I think that is a non-negotiable good. I, I see to the Senator from Ackworth. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that may throw a wrench in this and could take to a whole different avenue, road. Rabbit hole. Yeah, thank you. That's <laughs> the word I was looking for. We do those. Is Yeah, I think we've been using the same word to, def- to describe different things. So let me throw this out, and then I'll offer what I see as a possible distinction. How would you distinguish between, or would you distinguish between uh, ethics and morality? Mm-hmm. Or are they uh, synonymous? I, know, I, I didn't I, know we were going to philosophy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally kind of use the words inter- interchangeably. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's Most people right do. or not, but yeah. I mean, that's, I well, tend to do that. You, you don't, when you say whether it's right or not, well, who would judge that? You don't have to, you don't have yeah. to say that. You don't have to listen to him. Oh, they didn't see but that? You, you don't, but <laughs> I'd have to see the definitions and all the no, exact no, distinction no, is. No, you don't. I think ethics, to me... Uh, ethics is society's attempt at morality. Okay. There is a difference. Yeah. There is a difference between the two of them. One way I have seen it distinguishes ethic is what you believe. It's the ground. It's your grounding. It's your basis. And then your morals are what come from that. What do you do as a result a of this grounding of mm-hmm. ethics? So maybe back to the, the seatbelt and... Um, but are those transactional? So what do you mean? So if your if ethics are your is your base morality is how you execute on uh-huh. it is that does that mean morality is transactional event to event interaction to interaction because morality is in this in this case not the base like ethics are mm-hmm. morality is how rude or not i am to jeff in a podcast right, right. or i cut somebody off and they flip me off mm-hmm. and i laugh or somebody cuts me off and I roll the window down and give them a mm-hmm. talking to. Mm-hmm. I would say that would be a lack of morality. Right. But is that the individual incidents mm-hmm. 
where you get to practice your ethics? I think it shows what your ethics are. So going back to the, the seatbelt and child safety seat. So the, the ethic would be we hold that life is valuable, life is important, life is worth protecting. The, the moral of that is, okay, what actions do we take to make that protection happen? So the, the laws in place would be uh, an extension of that ethic. Those would be moral laws based on that ethic. You know, the fact that I believe the Bible gives me my, my ethic, okay, so uh, based on the Ten Commandments and thou shalt not commit adultery, the, you know, if I were to do that, then my moral would not be consistent with my ethic. Then you question me, go, do you really have that as your your basis of ethic? Does that help? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. And I had zero classes in philosophy in my undergrad and grad school. So just going based on things I've read. I think I took one philosophy class and I didn't do very well. <laughs> um, so when you talk about valuing life mm-hmm. to kind of you in the evangelical, like you're always disappointed by evangelicals and I don't understand it because I think they're always true to themselves. I think that's exactly who they've always been. Mm-hmm. And well, but your, I, yeah, your, your, yeah. your belief in what they should stand for and where they are, there's always a huge gap and you're always disappointed that they don't live up to their beliefs. <laughs> Sorry to let you down, Jeff. <laughs> well, he, but he's, well, he's talking, but this is more about the political evangelicals. They let me many, down too some. <laughs> How many years in or months in are we now? And there's still this, this almost this hope, almost of yours, oh, no. that they're going to change. No, I've given up. I've given up that hope. You have yeah. You've given up the hope, but you haven't given up the the the, the, the outrage still. Right. right you know, right. like you are you are like freshly <laughs> outraged by everything that you would have every right to go. That's well, who they are. And the main reason why is Go because figure. they, uh, you know, all of a sudden are giving up on the ethics mm-hmm. of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, what? so, you know, they claim they believe in the literal word of God. And so that means everything in the Bible. That includes, you know, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But it's like they've thrown that stuff right. out the window. Which is still your greatest disappointment with them. <laughs> You're so disappointed by them, and I hate to break this to you, uh, but the people that you don't like on the evangelical side are never, ever, never, ever, never, ever going to live up to that, ever. But, but not in their not in their daily actions, not in their political activism and their policy positions, ever. But again, it will be completely individually transactional. Yeah, right, right. Like when a senator's kid is gay, and all of a sudden now. They are in favor of LGBTQ rights. Right. That is, there will not be any mass movement anywhere close to what you want. So it's maybe a long way of saying get over it because they're they're not they're not going to change. They're they're not in this constant cycle of being disappointed and outraged. It feels like wasted energy. Wait for them to surprise you one day. Wait, I need to lay on the couch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a therapy session from Gary. I'm drinking a hot yeah. slam right now from Bells. No, I, yeah, I'll take I, a I, breath. I, I, but I swear to God, I'm not beating up on you. Uh, but because I understand the the only one of the reasons why it's like continually fresh is because I totally understand it because I've. Been you yeah. in other ways, yeah. and maybe finally I'm just like, 
I just I, I can't let this. Yeah. But I can't let this bring me down. But I mean, my one hope is sitting right here. <laughs> this is a guy, no you pressure, know, Tom, an yeah, evangelical yeah. <laughs> that still kind of holds to, um, you know, morality for the presidency. It seems like, which is yes. why you didn't vote for him the last time around, right? And you know, so there are evangelicals that don't that aren't part of that eighty percent. You know, that at least I have respect for for living out. The Bible. Okay, I'm gonna crap on that too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Jerry is on the game here. Uh, no, he drove well, for no. an hour and he didn't eat. Give me a Snickers. <laughs> we and we talked about this at Dry County. If you refrain, you can't bitch. Mm. You can't. You you can't bitch because you helped elect somebody by refraining. And that is not a thinly veiled slam because we, Tom, no, cause we did talk about this at mm-hmm. uh, at Dry County. Mm-hmm. And this is a, you yeah. have to take sides. You have to take sides. This is not, more than any time, more than any time, it's not a, oh, am I going to vote for the liberal Republican or am I going to vote for the really hardcore conservative Democrat? Yeah. There's big, big, wide-ranging, long-term differences, my opinion. So would you say that, would you agree with Jeff, if I understand your position, that so if I had voted for Trump, would I have been then lumped in with hypocritical evangelical Christians who supported this president in with loose morals, even though he was going to put forth the agenda, versus voting for someone that was going to support laws for abortion and, and everything that would go against the church? So is there no other option than to either be a hypocrite or just say, I don't want to be involved in this at all? I think my answer is going to be very Jeff. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to like that. No. No, no, no. This, is, this is, isn't nearly as, like, hardcore. If you saw your mistake mm-hmm. and you admitted a mistake mm-hmm. and kind of pledged to make up for that mistake— mm-hmm. Instead of either refraining or being kind of a squishy, never do tartar, that I really disapprove of him calling the racist outbursts against name your minority group. But man, I like that Supreme Court, mm-hmm. you know, and I like that abortion law, and I like that corporate tax cut, and I like those tariffs on China. Then you're, you're for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, to me, it feels like if you're not against him, you're for him. And I, what I don't like are the ones who publicly feign disgust but privately dig a lot of stuff he does. To me, those are the worst types. And we, you and I, and you and all three of us, probably will not ever agree um, fundamental policies. But you can recognize that he's bad on multiple levels. You don't have to agree, almost like you don't have to agree on any of that stuff, but at least agree that he is bad for all of us and needs to be a one-term president. I mean, all you have to say, you know, to your son or daughter is, 
I want you to be like this president. Yeah. No. Anything. <laughs> but no. we haven't had a president like that in a bit that I would want them to completely, totally emulate. Right. I mean, I appreciated right. Obama's uh, your family and family in the White House. I don't know of any personal scandal with him. I, I know I've heard things, but I, I don't care, really. Wait, but, what? For Obama? Yeah. What scandals? I, no, I, I, I don't hardly even pay attention. I could not okay. even recall any. So I don't know. Because I, I, I'm trying to avoid too much down the political road. Uh, oh, we're, we're, yeah, we're way we're past well. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, last exit was I mean, me five personally, miles away. I, <laughs> <laughs> Since we solved the uh, the last <laughs> topic. Dude, who won? <laughs> we solved something? Everybody won. Oh, we're all oh. winners. We all get the trophy. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Participation <laughs> trophies. For you spoke. Yeah. Kind of on the same central topic of ethics and morality, I think a couple of things we might want to explore with Tom would be mm-hmm. climate change would be one that comes to mind. I mean, we I'm just... against it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're on to the next topic. All right. So that's the thing that it seems like most people in the Republican Party as far as politicians. I don't know about the voters, but it seems like most politicians are trying to avoid that issue. You do know the voters. (laughs) The voters voted those guys in. Right. So you know the voters. There is no big thread of climate activism coming from the people that put David Perdue in the Senate. Right. So you know them. Uh, Unfortunately. We're picking up right where we left off. (laughs) But does that mean by default that they want him to do terrible things and hold back Stuff because there were so many issues. I don't know that it's fair to say, well, they didn't put him there to implement policy on climate change, but that doesn't mean that they put him there to take away policies or, or to be an impediment to policy on that. So does that make sense? It, it does, but then his approval numbers don't waver. And if anything, they have inched up a couple of points. Mm-hmm. So no matter what he says, no matter what he does, mm-hmm. what the, the scary learned behavior would be the crazier stuff, the most outrageous, the most negative, makes me more popular. So you're going to get more hmm. of that. And it certainly seems that's the case. And you don't hear anybody from the moral side. You hear some chatter from cowards that left, like Paul Ryan, mm-hmm. trying to salvage hmm. his reputation. But you don't hear anything from them. You know, anytime the latest tweet, oh, I, I haven't seen that tweet. Now, first of all, maybe you haven't, but that's bullshit. You, you've seen it in the news that you somewhere. Have not, right. You have not, not only heard it, but you have been briefed on it. You have a stock answer for it. So they are more than enabling it. Climate change. That <laughs> and anything he does. Right. And I feel like I hijacked your where you were going when I asked that follow-up question of him. I'm sorry. First question I would ask you is, do you trust the science in climate change? Well, I guess it depends on how you would define that. That is happening. That there is... That the Earth is warming and humans are contributing exponentially to the issue by fossil fuels, I guess, is one of the major contributors. And things are going to happen that are mm-hmm. going to be disastrous. Yeah. Things yeah. may be happening. Yeah. They are, right, yeah. With the increase in rainfall and stuff we've had, drought mm-hmm. in California mm-hmm. with, and the west with the with the forest mm-hmm. fires and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it is 
There's sure. effects that are happening now. Sure. So you really frequency it, it seems hurricane, right. right. Yeah. So to, intensities. To, yeah. The, to answer the what I see is a couple different questions on that. Yeah, it's hard to deny if you look at how temperatures measured. If I trust that standard, that that's got to be the first question. Do I have faith in that standard and how they're doing that? I don't have any reason to refute that or or to disagree with that. So I would say I would agree if you can show me this evidence where it's happened and how it's tracked. Is it tracked the same way in the same area and all that? Yeah. Now the the question is the why cause. do you need that level of proof? Well, if I'm going to be do you do that? Is that if you're going to be based if is that standard of, of proof <laughs> applied equally? Because honestly, it's a it is a very high standard yeah. to have average Joes. And if you listen to this mm-hmm. podcast, you know we are average yeah. Joes. Mm-hmm. But to explain global warming in a way that you're going to believe it because mm-hmm. you seem set up with a wall of doubt okay. that... I'm not sure any mortal could uh, scale, Uh and I'm not sure that a scientist could scale it. Because the the evidence from what I've seen Uh and the... Leaving it up to a lot smarter people than I... (laughs) It's like, well, yeah. but I'm assuming yeah. what I would be looking for is the same thing you're looking for. Is there proof? And I think they found it a long time ago. Okay. And it feels like people who don't believe about believe uh-huh. that never are going to. No. Yeah. That Florida could be underwater. And nope, not not happening yet. Uh, you know, it actually, it's getting colder. It's almost like it's not whether you believe it or not. It's whether you accept reality or not. But, but let me answer your, your bigger question, if I I'm may. Nodding. So why am I looking for that evidence? Well, if I was going to be then therefore agreeing to here are the policies we want to put in place, I'd want to make sure there was a good reason for that. Okay, so that that's all I would be looking at. Now, but I think but the, that warms my heart yeah. because it always gets back to policy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the bigger question is the cause. And even this 97% of scientists agree, you know, that that quote or that statistic has been so misused and misstated from... 97% of all science agrees or concurs to the reality it's 97% of scientists who submitted these papers on this topic agree, one, that climate change is happening, that we are increasing temperatures, but there's not consensus amongst all them, and some have even come out and said that they were misrepresented, that I don't agree fully that every increase can be attributed to human cause in fossil fuels, and they would adjust what percentage they say has. So I think you have to look at that as well. It's it's not like it's either this or this. It's there could be many causes. There could be solar flares that cause it. There could be different. Yeah, but that's honestly be kind of nitpicking. Okay. If we know that X percent of it is contributed by humans, Mm -hmm. that we can control. Okay. You know, if there's stuff outside of that, you know, normal cycles or whatever, what you can't control, but there are things that we can control. We know that fossil fuels contribute to that. Okay. And we know if we can switch to renewable resources, you know, more solar and all that kind of stuff. Nuclear. Yeah. Yeah. Or wind or whatever, that we can reduce that. If we can Mm -hmm. move to more efficient cars rather Mm than shifting the um, economy down, mm-hmm. you, know, the, you know, so there are things that we humans can do to stave some of that mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think we're kind of beyond the tipping yeah. point myself, right. but... Some say, and then you have to look at a cost-benefit analysis, how much does it cost to not go up a certain number of degrees or percentage of degrees, and then what does that do for not just our economy, but the worldwide economy? Does it actually hurt developing nations? Are they going to be kept from that development as so well? you are a 
great example of somebody that knows. (laughs) No. Skeptics of things often have more facts and figures and detailed arguments against than the people who are for them. Okay. Because I want to introduce you to Don. (laughs) Because nobody, nobody knows the Bible more than him. And he doesn't believe a (laughs) damn word in it. (laughs) And when you're talking about things that humans can do and you're politely listening, you are never, ever going to convince him on that level. You're not going to convince him on an evidentiary, evidentiary level. Because I don't think you believe in it. I mean, and that's it, not a what, climate change or maybe not <laughs> climate change that we need to do drastic things to stem the tide to not yeah to stem the tide to minimize the impact because it's going to happen what but is happening are right? we going to prepare for it which means we would have to acknowledge that it's true or are we just going to blindly drive off the cliff or, or we're going to we're going to have this argument about whether or not it's real while it's happening. But that's my belief that it's happening, but I'm not alone. Well, here's a real-world condition that you experienced when you were on vacation down in Florida, is you saw, you know, all the damage that was done by this, you know, horrendous hurricane. Yes. That was increased probably by climate change. I mean, that's... Okay, but, but, but I mean, you know, we know that that. that Let's you just know. say it was bad. Okay. in and of itself, right? But yeah, I mean, knowing that that these kind of things are going to ramp up as well, temperatures that's, you increase. You know, he's right? going to say that's a belief. I'm pointing at Tom. <laughs> he's going to say that's a belief. But the I've never seen long term impact on a on an individual and community level before going to Panama City. Mm-hmm. It's still not recovered. It is in position, you know, here's where the belief part comes in. You think that there's going to be more hurricanes and they're going to be stronger. And if that's the case, an area that's already fragile is going to be beyond not our ability, but our will to fix it. And what was the fear in New Orleans? And hopefully it, it hasn't happened because it sounds like the, the worst has been avoided with what's supposed to be the catastrophic, maybe levee-breaking right. floods. We're going to rebuild New Orleans if we think or we have scientific knowledge that stuff like this is going to continue happening because you want to have a policy debate. The policy debate is whose disasters get rebuilt. Puerto Rico's still waiting. Right. And because one of the things that fed into your, your Florida thing, too, was the insurance companies, how they're fighting against these people to even mm-hmm. help them rebuild. No kidding. And then how FEMA is kind of... It's almost like they're, it's almost like they're for profit. Huh. <laughs> and and what uh, and the obligation is to no one but their shareholders. So hmm. may I go back to something you said when you pointed at me? Earlier. Only if you're going to tell me that I was right. Um, <laughs> all right. So next topic, because <laughs> um, you were you were implying what you thought I believed. Which, True. Which is, I was speaking for you. Which is a fair thing to do if I've shared things, and, and I don't think you were claiming that as an absolute, so I, I definitely gave that um, but you, implication. But, you, so, but, but you let me clarify, yeah, if sure. I may. So um, I don't want to come in as a right-wing, libertarian, crazy nut person. I'll be a right-wing, crazy Christian nut person uh, on this. So when we talk about ethic, uh, my ethic on that would be taken from Genesis to take dominion. God gave that 
call to Adam and all that would come after him, take dominion. And I understand that to be use the earth to make progress and to expand and to take care of yourself and to learn and use science. Okay, but also care for it, nurture it, tend to it. He had a job before the fall, take care of the garden, tend the garden. And that should be our case as well. So so there's the ethic. Now, the morals that come from that would be, uh, I would absolutely be in favor of things that limit pollution, that things like Monsanto, you know, things that they're doing, I think is immoral the way they do their seeds and things like that. Business model. You know, it's, but it's not according to how God designed this and how we're supposed to use the earth. You you give it a rest after. Shouldn't be able to trademark seeds. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. And the way that they hybridize, is it, can I, can I create that word? Absolutely. So I think there's morals that come from that ethic that would say we are here to utilize the earth and make it productive and be productive and take care of ourselves. And But we have a call to take care of it and limit how we utilize it and we replenish it. And renewable is great. But it's not to part. destroy the earth. It's not to destroy, but right, we may right. differ on how that's defined, I guess. But if you see our use of fossil fuels mm-hmm. is limiting mm-hmm. you know, human life on this planet, mm-hmm. That kind of works against Genesis, correct? I can see where it could. Yeah. So I'm feign ignorant, not feign. I'm going to actually be ignorant on the complete extent to which that's done. But I'm also aware you can't eradicate all fossil fuel use. I mean, everything. think of everything in this room why not? that comes from fossil fuels of some kind and how we got here. Why, why can't that be a goal? Right, 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 right. Why can't that be a something that we actually take a shot at? Right. It's like the Green New Deal. I mean, they're trying to say that's policy. It's not policy. That's a conversation mm-hmm. towards that mm-hmm. goal. Mm-hmm. And for the Republican Party and, and voters mm-hmm. to be dismissing that as unattainable or mm-hmm. whatever, it's like, you know. Not that, no, 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 no. Let's be fair. The fair amount of Democrats have well, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. have scoffed at that. Right, right. So Even Nancy let's, Pelosi, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go with, let's go with the assumption that we know they're going to hate it. Why does allegedly <laughs> our side hate it too? Right. We can't just throw barbs at Republicans without kind of looking at our house first. Right. What you talked about, Genesis. Mm-hmm. If anybody, religious, secular, acted like they cared about that, mm-hmm. I am down. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are because that is a... That's a common goal. A universal good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what gets in the way Mm -hmm. uh, very often is private enterprise. Mm -hmm. And this idea that private enterprise is more important than anything else. And any discussion of whether or not there's too much latitude and power given to private enterprise over that universal good... Mm -hmm never gets discussed. I agree that can be a big factor, and that would be one of my concerns as well, the interference with that. I think another factor is that Christians aren't as vocal on that because we may see other issues like abortion as more... Deal breakers. More important, yes. And also part of it is that if 
Christians align themselves with pro-environment groups. We talked about this some at Dry County when I had my Smoky Mountain shirt on, you know, right. and I mm-hmm. felt like this left hugger. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, there is part of that guilty it's by association thing. perspective, and, and I think that comes from all sides, that we don't want to join with this cause with these people because then we're identified with these people. Yeah. You know, for a while, I really resisted being anti-war because I viewed that as a left thing, a peacenik thing. And eventually I realized that's a pro-life position. And I need to embrace that even if I'm going against my evangelical right-wing block people, Republican people. I need to embrace that and, and not be concerned that I'm going to be identified as, as a lefty on that. So I think the problem is people don't join cross cause by cause. They they do think in this pack like we believe these common things and I don't want to align myself with, with my so-called enemy. Okay, let's cut let's cut to the chase. And we should we're all gonna we should we're all gonna go on the record for this. Uh oh. <laughs> so I I will be happy to go first, even though I don't really have my position, but well, I guess that's only fair. <laughs> So whose fault is it more that there is not more attempt to find common ground between the faithful and the non-believers? Whose fault is it more? And you can't say they're both walking up to the line 50%. You know, if you want to put a number to it, go ahead and put a number to it. But you got to say which side is more at fault. Can you phrase that question more at fault at not at crossing a line? Yes, or, like not reaching like, across the aisle. Right. Who okay. is who is more? I hesitant. would I would de- I would deal with them, but obviously they don't want to deal with me. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. a, that yeah. preposition or whatever. Right. But at, when both sides when both sides are saying it, mm. so who would, if who we would, were to be, fill out a survey, we would, eleven out of twelve. <laughs> We check their same boxes. It's just that it's that one yeah. it's that one deity question that's but, got us, you know, you on, know, on opposite ends. Who of can't it. who yeah. can't get past that more? Okay, Tom's people or our people? Our people. Yeah. Hmm. So where are you coming down on that? Yeah, you said you, said you gonna, go first. You I said you're going to answer first. <laughs> hey, don't rush me. <laughs> who sixty forty? Digital stuff who, is free. Who's sixty forty? I don't have a I don't have a number, okay. and I'm almost embarrassed with, and I probably will be by the time you guys have to, have time to think about it. I'm going to say Tom's side, but for only for one main reason. Is more at fault? Is more at fault? Okay. Because. They own the institutions. They have institutions. They have larger communities. They have a ready-made structure. A, a, a structure that binds disparate churches, but they're still one of them as opposed to one of us. Yeah. They may not agree with Tom on everything, and Tom might not with everyone else, but they know what side of the ball they're on. Wait, yeah. you're talking about the Christian community at large? I'm not yeah. Quite sure. Uh, yeah. Well, well, you don't have to agree with me. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I'm, but, and, but that's also not saying that, that the atheist side is without fault, that has pretty close to equal levels of skepticism to disdain about, we'll probably get people on the podcast like, I one of them on uh, for. Yeah. You know, and Interesting to see how that fleshes out. I, I, we like at least to think that this is a more a polite forum at least. I, I tried it to be, even though I probably haven't been that polite tonight. We, um, no, but we preach inclusion at the uh, Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we invite, yeah. you know. Yeah. But there are, there is a, there's a, 
I don't know what percentage they are, but you all know who the atheists are that, quote, give atheism a bad name or who are very strident about it, very in your face about it. Anti-theists, anti-theists. Yeah, and that's not a good look, obviously. So certainly wouldn't be without blame or fault. Mm -hmm. The power, you know, particularly as we hear, you know, that this is a nation on Christian values, Mm -hmm. and that absolutely feels to me that that is excluding people. Like, they are Christian values. Get with the program. Not American values, but Christian values. Mm -hmm. You don't hear this big outcry from atheists about atheist values. Or humanist values. You might. You'll hear more about humanist values than than atheist values. Right. And I'm not sure I like it when Tom takes notes. Because he's too organized and he's going to actually come back as opposed to us who are just like just winging it. Right. I couldn't remember pragmatic earlier so I I didn't want to mess up anything else. So whoever wants to go Um, next you can I agree largely with you on this. Jared. Thanks Um, for listening everybody. Yeah. Um, I think Christians have been passively at fault, not actively seeking engagement, not actively seeking conversation. It is our mission to actually reach you and and come to you, but I think a lot of them view it as, I need one interaction with you, and I want to convert you to Jesus, and if I can't, then we're done. And that's unfortunate that Thankfully, though, lots of people have been giving voice to this thought of create relationships and and communicate and not as an ulterior motive, but perhaps as an ultimate motive. And so I I come here with that as my ultimate motive, but not an ulterior motive that would affect any kind of interaction we would ever have. So I want to be clear on both sides of that. Um, As a matter of fact, my sister-in-law one time, we we have people from the meetup group over to our house all the time. We had a big Christmas party, all the meetup. We were the only Christians there. It was lots of fun. We had tons of fun. We had people over for games and eating and, and really enjoy that. My sister-in-law said, have atheists in your house? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, because we have things in common. Cleaned. And I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy the, the conversation and the interaction just as I would with normal people. Okay. Um, We're normal. No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I had to say that. Okay. But to your point, too, I think the perception is from the the vibe put out by the antagonist atheist. Like, why why would I want to engage that if they're going to just – because those are a couple people that had come to the meetup that just escalated to a point where there was just no conversation taking place. Mm -hmm. So I think ultimately I would – put the fault on uh, my side because we are supposed to engage and we are supposed to reach out and we are supposed to seek these opportunities. But I think there could be some more willingness to engage from the other side as well. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. This is just opinion time. Yeah. Okay. So what I would add to that is, so I came out of as my evolution to a very progressive form of Christianity. And I think I posted, you know, some stuff on the Wild Goose Festival mm-hmm. that went on. I think it was this last week in um, Asheville, North Carolina, or just outside of there. And I, I partic- participated in that a couple of times. But they have never invited a secular humanist to their conversation. Hmm. I mean, it's it's supposed to be a conversation about all the progressive things that line up with humanist values. But they've never invited somebody from outside their Christian bubble and that's always kind of kind of bother me which says what to you though we're i mean well you don't like it but why 
I'm just curious. I, I, because well, I'd love to hear the, the well. Th- tell your feelings about that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I guess from being, you know, I was inside that bubble, so I can understand. There's, you know, like I said, there's kind of a, a fear of, you know, once you cross that line from theism to atheism, mm-hmm. is is like there's something that's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, you know, well, why don't you believe in this God? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's all kinds of things that, that go along with that. So I, I can understand that kind of uh, fear on if I invite this person. And you know what does that entail? What are they gonna? Are they gonna pull people over to their side? Yeah, that kind I mean, of like thing. the organizer, like the person who who makes the decision on the. Well, there's there's a um, a committee mm-hmm. that invites people in, and I'm mm-hmm. friends with a couple of people that are on the board. So. You know, and I've I've offered before to have like uh, Greta Vosper, you know, oh. that she would be willing to come down and and speak. Lion Bill, or yeah, yeah, Bart um, Campolo, one of those. Well, they guys. know Bart Campolo because oh, yeah. he came from their yeah. from their mitt. But yeah, and and never have they reached out and, hmm. and invited anybody. But why? From that but why, why does why does that bother? Why does that? Well, because it's like what you're saying is is like that shows a resistance to reach across the aisle now. I agree with you that that you know we're not doing our best to reach across either. One of the hey, things, yeah, you wouldn't let the me first come to your group. <laughs> but now we we do have a deep I won't dive anymore. We do have a deep dive yeah. thing on the first Tuesday of every month. No, or, keep singing them. Huh? Keep singing. Them. <laughs> All right. All right. Our, the first guest, you know, it took forty-five episodes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we our first guest, you know, it's not like enemy guest day. <laughs> right. Right. But, well, I mean, you know, so there's somebody from that side that, that we can invite on also. We talked about before. Doug Padgett was somebody mm-hmm. that, that I'm yes. friends with that, you know, is on that progressive Christian side. I don't know if he's, at you know, went to the Wild Goose this time or not. He usually does. I don't know what the Wild Goose is. It's, it's a festival they have. If you just do uh, do a Google search uh-huh. on the Wild Goose, they have all kinds. One of the speakers was uh, William Barber. Okay. okay. Um, but they have usually progressive speakers. It's usually, you know, like social activism oh, okay. kind of stuff. okay. Um, so, I mean, like I say, it's, it's stuff that our community aligns with. Yeah. You know, the only thing, the only box we don't tick off is, you know, the God thing. Do they do they not want us there? I, I mean, for real. I, I don't know. If I mean, we showed up and pitched a tent, what would happen? Would they accept us? Actually, yeah. there was a year that, what was the group that did the um, the secular little stickers? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the, the group. They were They were up in... They were part of the um, what's what's the the atheist conference that was up there in Hickory. Oh, uh, ReasonCon. Yeah, there was okay. a group from there that actually oh. had a booth. Now they weren't part of the conversation, okay. but they okay. set up a booth on on secularism. Yeah. So nice. I mean, that was a first step. Don't know if they're back or not, but all right. So, so you say you, you say their side, huh? You say their side. No, I, I'm saying it's probably a 50-50 kind of thing. Yeah, the rules of the game where you could not make it 50-50. Oh, okay. You so have to go 60-41. So 51 them, 49 us. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we need to, you know, we need to do a better job of, of finding where those those common ground things are that we can work together on. And, all right, Tom. Right, I, would, I would think even more so the our side would be more so. Contrary. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I'd go that if, if I don't know if it's fifty one forty nine or sixty forty, but I would say our side is more reluctant to reach across the aisle than than their side. Do you think that's a bad? You, would you? You think that's? A I good think it's bad a bad thing? a bad taste in the mm-hmm. mouth kind of a reaction to you know religion as a whole from somebody coming thinking of somebody coming from a religious background. 
you know, pulling away from that, stepping away from that. Well, and especially if they were hurt by religion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, they would have more of a bad taste and not yeah. want to put a hand out. Kind so of can thing. you be hurt by religion or could you be hurt by people in the yes. religion? Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. People. I hear that a lot at my meetup. A, a lot of those who come who would profess to be atheists um, come from mostly, largely Roman Catholic, but a mm-hmm. church background that people there when they started questioning and asking, seeking questions, the way they were treated, the way they responded, or or seeing some of the abuse stuff, or seeing parents inconsistent, things like that, started exiting from it. And then, to your point, the religious people, when they would find other Christians, and they would say, well, I'm an atheist. And and it's very unfortunate that they would then be ostracized and, and like you don't exist anymore, mm-hmm. whether it's family or friends. So I, I, it's unfortunate. I think that's um, true to Don's point, that, that there's a significant number of people that, therefore, I just want nothing to do with them mm-hmm. in this conversation. So it's a very much, and it, and it goes both ways, a, a, you know, in-out uh, group, in-group out. Yeah, tribalism mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Very, very tribal, yes. Curious, though, if it's a linguistic style but the use of profess to be atheist, <laughs> it, uh, it implies that you're not sure they really believe it. Well, I'm, I would say I profess to be a Christian. That That is my profession. That is what I'm saying I am. But do you use And, pro- I, and I am. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not, I didn't mean that as a challenge. Well, and, and, and I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like pick out yeah, one no, word, that's fine. but like there could be an impression. At least that's what mm-hmm. it hooked me. Like, I don't profess to be an atheist unless you say, you know, I profess to be a Christian or I, mm-hmm. profess, right. I professed, you know, to be a Catholic back yeah. in the day, but I no longer, I now profess to be atheist. Nope. Okay. I'm an atheist. I'm comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And there is... Do I have the right to change my mind? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's not a stage. Got it. I'm, yeah. I'm in. And, yeah. and part of that may have come from my understanding of Romans 1, where someone who would say there is no God in their heart knows there is, and, and they're suppressing that. That's probably where that ultimately sprang from. And that's not me. I'm not... I don't want to get into a yes, I am, no, you're not, back and forth on that. Oh. So that's probably, yeah, let's not do yeah, that. That, <laughs> that would not be good podcast. It would be good listening. Yeah, no. Why should this week be any different? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you had somebody in your group early on, and I can't remember his name, that was a presuppositionalist. Yeah, well, I would hold to that as well. Oh, okay. And and so that is kind of kind of suggesting yeah. that you know there's a God, but you're... Right, but I'm not going to get into a semantic game that, that really, you know, doesn't do... Any good. Jerry has his hand up. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> Can I get a definition? Presuppositional. Somebody that we pre- have we have discussed this, and yes. I cannot remember. Somebody okay. that presupposes that God exists. It, it's just it's like a given in an algebra uh, equation. Okay. That's that's part of it. Yeah. Um, uh, in addition to that, so I, I will see that. But in addition, it argues from the perspective of presupposition. So I would say we come to any discussion with with a given set of presuppositions, kind of our guiding. I'm not going to go back to ethics and morals, but our our guiding I'll principles, do. our guiding core beliefs mm-hmm. that we just take for granted. Now, maybe that doesn't mean we never examine them, but they are just so much a part of us that everything we say and believe comes from those. And so a presuppositionalist from an apologetic perspective 
a Christian perspective, would, would challenge what the non-believers' presuppositions are to look to show that those are inconsistent with, that they're inconsistent among themselves, they're inconsistent with how you would understand the world, make sense of the world. So it's using presuppositions to show these have no support, uh, Christian worldview does, so it's coming from that. It's not proving there is a God. It, it is starting with the assumption that there is and that everything comes from that. Yeah. Is that... Got to be a hard person to argue with. It's, it's kind of a circular well, no, it's, kind of. It's actually pretty easy. You just <laughs> walk away. No, you just re, you you refer to your your best friend Bob. Bob knows everything, and whenever whenever they assert a certain belief, you just go, "Oh, well, Bob said you were going to say that," <laughs> and Bob, and Bob said you were like wrong. That. And as you know, Bob knows everything. And it, you just you refer back to, to Bob, your friend Bob, that, that you, you, you presuppose that God exists. I presuppose that Bob knows everything. And you just give them the same argument back exactly as they give it to you. How many, what's the over-under on how many times Don has had this argument in the chat room? Yeah. Oh, I you, think he's better. You don't know my friend Bob, who knows everything, and said you were going to say that, and said you were wrong. And to tell you that you're wrong. It could be triple digits. Yeah. I would have to refer back to my good friend Bob. But, but I would say that even progressive Christians have a form of that. In, in that, that, you know, there's, there's this assumption that there is a God... Now, it's a weak God, granted, mm-hmm. but it, it's like, so once you cross that line, is like, well, you'll come back to this mm-hmm. belief in a God at some point. You're just kind of wandering away mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've gotten that a lot from people that are on that side. Oh, okay. So it, it's a little bit different than that, you know, kind of a, you know, hardcore um, theology, but it's, it's still kind of there. Mm-hmm. So do they like think you're a, on a journey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you've been yeah. hurt, you know, that, you know, something in, you know, some tragedy in your life has, has caused this. And the honest to God, feels a Who? little like, feel, <laughs> feels a <laughs> religious term. Said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that feels a little QAnon mm-hmm. to, not to its ridiculous extent, but they can't understand how you would do this on your own. You must have had some trauma. You know, you must have had yeah. some personal tragedy that you're still wrestling with. And please I get help for it, because and then come back to us. But well, and actually, I, I I remember feeling that um, went to hear Bart Ehrman speak up in um, the North Georgia mountains when I was still a progressive Christian. And at that time, I was a process theologian. I don't mm-hmm. know process theology. I, I have heard that a very a very weak version of okay. God. And I, I remember thinking, if Bart only knew this God. Mm. He wouldn't be agnostic mm. atheist. Yeah. So I kind of remember, you know, so I know being on that side, mm-hmm. what that feels like. So it, it's like you're presupp- presupposing that there is a God he just hasn't met yet. Mm. So he's been hurt, you know, because, yeah, I mean, I think one of his books was about, um, I, I can't remember the title of the book, but it was about, you know, theodicy, you know, about if there's a good God, how can he allow evil kind of thing? And it's like, well, in process theology, it explains it, you know, that there is a God, but he's not strong enough to do things, but he can come alongside you. And so I just, I, I remember feeling that sense of, of pity that he didn't, he didn't understand this, this right God. So what makes, so is what makes them different, the fact that presuppose... Presuppositionalists? Yes. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Presupposers. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is what makes them different, not that they believe in it, but everybody else needs to, too. Hmm, you talk about a weak God. Why aren't you that? What is it that 
you believe or don't believe that because if you you because you believe in God, and I, I certainly am not going to put words in your mouth. Okay, there. that's fine. But you're right so far. You are. I, 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 I see. Like, what makes how they believe different than how you believe? They who the, the, the weak process. God the, people? No, the presuppositionalist versus what you believe. Oh, Why he's are, a I am presuppositional. Oh, you are. Yes. Okay. And and let me clarify, if I may, again. So presuppositionalism is is a type of apologetic. So there there's different ways of defending the Christian faith, and this comes from uh, the Bible, where it says, "I'll always be ready to give an argument uh, or a reason." Always, from uh, whom? Always be ready to give a reason for what you believe. And and the Greek of that is apologia mm-hmm. or, or apology, not like I'm so sorry, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm uh, making uh, a defense of it. So apologetics is a defense when people like y'all would challenge and ask questions. We want to defend the faith, but also we want to go on the offensive. We want to demonstrate the faith. And there are different schools of apologetics. There's presuppositionalism. There's classical, uh, which tends to rely on logic and things like um, uh, teleological evidence and cosmological evidence. And, Who's that and, guy? Um Based uh, here in Atlanta, I know you're. Oh, Robbie Zacharias. Well, he's one, but there's another one that um, I'm drawing a blank. But uh, I'm yeah. sorry. But and then yeah, there's yeah. evidentialists that would stick with things like uh, manuscript evidence, specifically, or or focus on just on the resurrection, and and they would go to those evidences and things like that. So it's just a different approach of interacting with non-believers to defend the faith. And and presuppositionally starts with the triune God of the Bible in Jesus, whereas some other start with this theoretical God and they get you to the theoretical God and then well let me keep taking you to Jesus. In what context do you use defending the faith? Yeah. Um, when there's a challenge, so I, I would say I do that at the meetup when people bring up questions from the Bible or seemingly inconsistencies with the Christian faith. So that would be a defense of the faith that I, I want to defend. Not that God needs my defense, and he could do a whole lot better with and does with other people than me. But uh, but I have a duty to say, okay, this is what I believe, so I want to defend this and, and represent it well and show, no, this is not an inconsistency. This is not contradiction things like that so go do you other than podcasts i'm not i don't know how at least we are a threat to the faith or ever want to the the reason why we would challenge it mm-hmm. would be when it i don't know i'm not gonna speak for you guys when it would enter into the public square mm-hmm. And and then get back to policy. Right. Sure, public because policy. Because yeah. the defending the faith, I'm past that, and I think you guys are too. Yeah. On adversarial atheism, mm-hmm. see, it is a kind of a soul sucking exercise and kind of a waste of time, and doesn't always achieve much. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're talking about adversarial in a in a policy stand in a situation, mm-hmm. that's completely different. But trying to argue somebody down from their faith mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe how they utilize it mm-hmm. in the public square yeah. is completely different. Yeah, right. But well, I don't see the difference. No, go ahead. Well, in a larger context, the verse I referenced comes after the charge to the believer to live a life differently than the world around you. And then when people come to you and ask you, why are you 
living this way and everybody else around you is living this way, then the verse following is be ready to answer their question. Be ready to give a defense of what you believe. I think some people do take that, forget that first part. Uh, don't forget to live the life that is actually different. And, and it should be in the context, I'm noticing you. Tell me more about why you live this way, talk this way. What's different about you? Oh, well, let me tell you why I live this way. That's what drives but, Jeff nuts. But though. then, yeah, but yeah. Well, let me finish this off. Yeah. I'm sorry. So many are these professional apologists that just get out there with the, I don't mean argument in a, in a bickering way. I mean, argument in a well thought out, here's my premise and here's my support, that kind of argument. They just get out there to argue and defend and, you know, and debate. And I think there's a place for that, but that I can create even more antagonism between the sides and, and not break down. Like, unlike the conversation we were trying to have a couple of years ago with the debate that we were trying to arrange. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Right. But anyway, so I stepped over you. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, so when you say you know, living out your faith in public, mm-hmm. the downside is what the American public sees on a daily basis portrayed mm-hmm. by, you know, the press or however you want mm-hmm. to view it is not a very positive view of Christianity in right. general. But is that the press's fault for putting what they put or mm-hmm. is it? No, I mean, Christian, many, I mean I, I'm going to grant there are too many Christians out there in churches that give press cause to put stuff like well, that. Well, yeah, out that's there. what I'm saying. Yes. I don't think it's unfairly portrayed at all or, you know, well, uh, un- uh, I guess I would say, fa- and I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Well, you. no, I'm I'm, I, I'm saying you know, it's it's unfair to people like you that don't get uh-huh. the press. But I'm saying the ones you know that we see on a daily basis mm-hmm. is like I don't want to be like that. No, I, I wouldn't either. And I guess when I said when I said fairly unfairly portrayed, not portraying when churches Christians do all kinds of good stuff, and that happens much more often. Than, than the bad stuff. And I don't think people want that known. I mean, they're not doing it to make that known. They're just doing that. But it, Well, but they do. It, yeah, they do get good press, like when there's hurricanes or churches uh-huh. that go down uh-huh. and help out. I mean, that's one of the negative things I see about our organ, you mm-hmm. know, our group is is that we don't have an organized, you know, disaster, disaster relief group that goes down mm-hmm. there to take care mm-hmm. of these kind of needs. So, yeah. so Not I think, nearly as big, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, yeah. So I'm saying, you know, you do get some positive press when stuff like yeah, that goes on. But I'm saying overwhelmingly, you know, I think a lot of people see the negative, you know, intrusion on, on religion into, um, you know, our private lives okay. and things like that. Okay. That I don't know if that's, you know, the kind of PR that you're thinking mm-hmm. that you're... That you're hmm wanting okay you know so people aren't going to be asking hey how do you live that life yeah you know? yeah uh, and and the the passage from peter would be more the one-on-one so your neighbor i don't know for example i'm coming up with this off the top of my head your your neighbor you're perfect you to, for this podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, your neighbor keeps asking you to go out, out let's go party let's hit the clubs and hey you know i know you're married but I, let's go to the strip club and do all this stuff and you know no that's just not what i do and then maybe Maybe I get made fun of. Maybe the neighbor wants nothing to do with me. And I would understand that. But maybe the neighbor goes, what is with you? Why don't you doing these things? What is going on? Well, l- let me tell you why. But our I neighbors know. could ask us the same thing. Yes. Like, oh, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I know. Why don't you go to strip clubs yeah. with me? But well, that's that's the gist of that verse. Thing, it's know. not look at the church around you and go ask. But it's, as a Christian, be aware of how I am behaving with those who know I'm a Christian. And, and am I living a markedly different life that would cause them? to go, what is it with you? And then be able to say, here's what it is with me. I don't know if that ever, back to your question, you remember? 
<laughs> I think your question was I answered on the different types of apologetics. I, I think I better define presuppositionalism. Well, maybe, and it's what's which is kind of the difference, though. Yeah. Where Don and I, when we were Catholics, we believed, and that was pretty oh. much like there. There was no. That was it. You yeah. know, done oh, deal. Okay. <laughs> right. So, but can't it, allow for anybody else to think differently and have a different god. Like, like you know, we, you know, there were we, we knew there were other gods. Yeah. We knew you guys were all lost and confused. Yeah. Ooh, oh, the Protestants, just, yeah. especially. Oh, in that cute. Especially the Protestants. Yeah. Oh, in that cute. Right. <laughs> Look at them. We have Mother Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. but. What, not, what not on a sin to poem ratio of uh, forgiveness. Tell me, yeah. tell me when you got your, you know, your Vatican City. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's different about how we believed versus a presuppositionalist? And I said it twice. Hmm. I don't know that there's a difference in how you believe. I, I, again, I would just would say presuppositionalism is is just a form of apologetic. It's not necessarily the basis of my belief or the the foundation of my belief. It's just the the approach I use to engage. Now, you've seen Cy Ten Bruggen Kate, right? I, I've heard him interact. I've heard others. Oh, and, okay. But, I mean, he's to the extreme. I would say, yeah. Um, Cornelius Van Til is kind of the godfather or grandfather of presuppositionalism. He wrote a book called Reason to Believe. He was a, a theologian, philosophy um, a philosopher taught at Westminster Seminary, and he, he's really the one from whom a lot of this sprung. Greg Bonson was one of his, uh, I don't mean to disciple in a, in a derogatory uh, uh, way at all, yes. but one of his adherents mm-hmm. right. who really did a lot to advance that. And in, in the Reformed Christian faith, my, my tribe of Christianity would be more heavy in the presuppositional. But it's, it's not... Um, I, I use that as a as a way to engage. It's not how I believe or what I believe. It's just my way of approaching the conversation. Does that help clarify? I think so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that that. So I had his famous debate with Dill Hunting. Yeah, if you've Memphis. not seen that debate, you wanna okay watch it. For us, it's like head banging. Yeah, yeah, on the table kind of thing. So I mean that type of apologetics. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's taken to that extreme. Yeah. yeah. Is is not making I, any headway. I agree. Right, I agree. Right, right, I agree. Right. Yeah, I think he because it's it's almost he is of the type that would be back earlier when I said I don't want to get into the yes you are no I'm not he would go that route mm-hmm. right yeah and, and yeah. just spend forever oh, yeah, on yeah. so I I get that I mean just his personality yeah. is antic- yeah. antagonistic so, yeah yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I he's mean, someone from whom I I can learn some things but would want to avoid many things. Good is that fair? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's you know, I can. I think I can say that about most people I know. I can yeah, learn some things. You and, can, yeah, mm-hmm. discard others. Yeah, right. but it doesn't. I'm not discarding the whole. So, no. what did you learn tonight? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> did we have some really good rum? <laughs> we kind of alluded to this, but we want to try to find areas of agreement, mm-hmm. common goals that mm-hmm. we that we share, places that we can work together towards. Like mm-hmm. I said, we preach inclusion. Here at the Godless yeah. mm-hmm. And we, we talked about that as far as finding... Peace in the world. Find, yeah, finding mm-hmm. allies in, yeah. in the believing community that we can work with. Towards making humanity a better endeavor. There we go. All right. So what are those, what are those kind of goals that we think that we can share? I think 
the, and this would address some things that we talked about earlier around uh, whose side is at fault. I, I think we can agree that people should be treated with respect and dignity. I would say, though, we have different ethic groundings for that. But I think it's still, from my perspective, everyone is in the image of God and everybody deserves to be treated with kindness and respect and dignity. And I fail at that often, but I seek to do that. And so I think that can happen from both sides. And that way, so then the the next level can happen, which is to really understand the other person's perspective instead of talking about their perspective, ask them about their perspective and what do you believe in, why and how. And then, then there's a sense where we need to be hmm, to be careful on this. Let me think on this. Uh, this may be edited out. Sure. <laughs> Walking Maybe across the uh, uh, field of landmines. <laughs> I can't wait for this. Yeah. The suspense uh, is no, killing no. me. No. To be okay, well, not okay. I'm not okay. I do want people to know Jesus and love Jesus. So it's not like I want to be okay if you don't, but not let that stand in the way of friendship and relationships and not constantly be forcing that. But to want that, to pray for that, to, to hope for that, but also for non-believers to go, you know, I'm okay that you believe in that, and I'm not going to ostracize you and hate you and, and stay away from you because I think that can happen on both sides. Sort of pick up on that. Okay. So, I mean, one of the things that, you know, my church experience kind of focused on was the teachings of Jesus. Uh-huh. Granted, from uh, my more liberal side of the fence, focusing on more of the social gospel kind mm-hmm. of attributes to mm-hmm. Jesus's teachings. But as a humanist, I can still see value in some of the things that he said. Okay. In other words, I, I can see humanism in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that would be where I'd have common shared values okay. with, a, with a Christian. Now, there's other people outside of Jesus that said those same exact things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's not like the ultimate everything is on Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I share that kind of okay. humanist kind of Kind of values. Yeah. Why are you looking at me? Everybody looked at you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to push back. You're going to. I don't see this pushing back. That's not the intent. That said, I'm going to. I'm going to do something that, that will that could be considered pushing back, but it's not. It's genuine curiosity. Is there thinking about it on the way over? Listening to a podcast with the Reverend Barber. Oh yeah. Um, Reverend Doctor Barber. That feels sometimes like a. Not condescension, but feel sorry for you because you don't yeah. have, you don't, you don't, you're mm. missing something yeah. by not having the kind of relationship with Jesus that mm-hmm. I have. And it feels. You only knew my Jesus. Yeah. It yeah. feels patronizing. And that could be the intent or it could be if the If you reception. only came to my church. And I don't say that this is like the fault episode. Like, is that. Nobody says it's their intent. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, but sometimes you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go to your church, but hey, great. Mm-hmm. And I'm cool with where I'm at. Is the condescension perceived or intended? Can I yeah. give an example of that? Yeah. Sure. We have a lady from my church uh, was at my meetup, and there was an elderly gentleman whose wife had passed away, and he had said, I just have lost sense of purpose since 
she died. And yeah. he he's just seems very aimless and purpose. And he's going through health issues and all this stuff. And she made the comment that she pitied him. And he took great offense to that. And the way she said that, I understand. Well, this last week, she got to clarify she had lost her husband mm. quite a few years ago. And she's probably my age. And they had five or six boys. And they were young. And she went through lots of the same things that he went through losing his wife. And what helped her was her faith, her trust in Christ. And she knew that gave her strength and power. And the way she meant it toward him, and she could actually explain this, is I I pity that you didn't have that to lean on. And and you're feeling this lack of purpose where this could give you that purpose. So it wasn't like a pity condescending. It was, I really wish that you had this so that you would know this and experience this. Does that help some? Mm. And and that's not everybody who's ever said that. There, There may be some condescending pity. There Mm -hmm. may be some true love that I really want you to experience this. There may be some hellfire brimstone that goes on attack mode. It's hard to say where everybody's coming from because they may be coming from a little bit different perspective. It feels feels negative. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I get that. Because, you know, it, it feels negative. Yeah. On the flip side, when atheists or non-believers dismiss directly about fairy tales mm-hmm. and, you know, mythology. And I think everybody knows that words matter. And it's almost worse. But, oh, you know, I'm just kidding about that whole yeah. mythology thing, right? You know, <laughs> it's just a joke between. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not always, that's mm-hmm. not always, that's not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not intended to be. It's kind of passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. And that's what that pity feels. Because sure. pity, maybe I'm, hung up on the word because pity is feels yeah, like I, I had someone at one of the meetups and instead of she, empathy she had been back and, yeah, and yeah, she empathy, yeah. said I was deluded so I think that's from my perspective right, maybe right, how yeah. you feel yeah. when someone you feel in pity you know I'm feeling this toward me it didn't bother me I understand from her perspective why she would think that and I'm like well mm-hmm. I, I totally get why you would say that and I think a lot of those words come before you really know the person, yeah. too. If she really knew that this person didn't need a belief mm-hmm. in order to deal with this tragic experience, then maybe pity wouldn't, wouldn't be the word that right. she would use. Right. You know, like you use the word empathy. You know, I empathize yeah. with, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. Yeah. Because everybody, no matter what side of the theistic divide you are on, when you, when you experience grief, that's a human emotion. Mm-hmm. And you have different ways to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And so that's the common ground. Grief is a common ground. Mm -hmm. And if you just let somebody experience that and just come alongside and let them deal with it Mm -hmm. however they are. But, yeah, when you you start to put loaded words on her, that's – and on both sides. I mean, you know, delusion thing, that's the same kind of thing. That's not a very helpful conversation. Mm -hmm. Not designed to be. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But both sides need to be aware that language is a weapon. Sure. You know, your approach is something that you know is an unbridgeable gap. Mm-hmm. So where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. Jane, you ignorant slut. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, one thing I was going to bring up uh, when you were talking about William Barber, he had a tweet recently. I follow him on, on Twitter. I like most of his stuff. But he's antagonistic against evangelicals. My perspective, he's, you know. He's antagonistic about the hijacking of evangelical from he, you and him. Two peas in a pod there, I mean, brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But from the standpoint, though, where, where I push back is like, you're not going to win that war, buddy. I mean, if you're talking, you know, if you're calling the other side basically atheists, 
you know, you're not believing in the right God. That's that was what the Civil War was about. You know, as both sides seeing the other as as being wrong about God, and and so you're not. He's not going to win that war. The evangelicals aren't going to win the war. Was a line in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Is, is like yeah. you know, each side calling the other, you know, mm-hmm. wrong about God is not yeah. going to further the conversation. Historically, <laughs> there hasn't, there's never really been an agreement that has stood any test of time. No, no, but you know, if we're talking about as long as there's been gods, there's been two different sides to. Yeah, right. At least, right. yeah, understand, yeah. yeah misunderstand. I mean, we were talking about the Presbyterian Church. That's what split the Presbyterian mm-hmm. Church was during the Civil War times. Is mm-hmm. you know, slavery so, was was yeah. a big a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so so you know, most religions, you know, they have their fair share of schisms. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> but so do we. That's that's, that's, the, that's actually the you know the, they had to invent a word for it. Yeah. It happens so often. That's a fun word. Okay, so back to <laughs> bridging gaps. So yeah, so how does you know like a William Barber, you know, how do we how do we, you know, find a, a bridging gap there? Plus, you know, how does he find a bridging gap with evangelicals? How you know That's easy to me. I, I agree with all his policy goals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean pretty plain and simple. The way I agree with him on almost everything. So you would march with him? Oh hell yeah. Right. Hell yeah. Yeah. For sure. What am I marching for? And oh. my my what am I am I marching for? $15 minimum wage for universal health care, for more money to schools, social justice. Yep, I'll march with anybody for those things. Is that what we're marching for? I would march for that. What if it was in the name of the Lord? That was a grimacy face. Tightened <laughs> <laughs> up there. That's, that's, you know, gets back to our question about, you know, reaching across the line. Is like, do you have to prioritize that in order to get your, your priority causes across? So arguably... I mean, I don't, since I, he's a since he was an abstainer, he's the person that we need to convince. Stay in the fight. No, to to vote with us, to vote with us. I mean, and, and I'm not saying, and this is not, you know, like passive aggressive. You know, change yeah. your vote. No, but I, this is a good example of somebody who is not voting for the other side, but also not voting for ours. Yeah. Are you a gettable vote for us, Tom? No. <laughs> no oh, that was a quick no. <laughs> So, but so his line in the sand is just as deep as your trench. <laughs> so, no matter who who's has the D next to their name that's going against Trump, you wouldn't. I couldn't imagine. You couldn't imagine even not even imagine. Biden, Harris, or Biden, no, or Booker, not, or Warren, or whoever. No, just, just couldn't imagine voting for a no, Democrat. No, I could not. <laughs> I could see myself voting Libertarian well before I. Could definitely before I could ever vote for a Democrat, probably before I could vote for another Republican. Okay, why? And this goes almost against why I would vote for a wouldn't vote for a Democrat. Uh, you know, the abortion issue is so important to me that with the party having that as its tenet, that I, I could not align myself with that and put someone be part of putting someone in office that would do that. But then on the other hand, you have the Libertarian Party, which is but which would which would do what though. Do what? What specifically? Just the fact that it's allowed? Yes. Allowed and paid for by public dollars and encouraged and... 
Encourage. Uh, encourage is a little strong. Yeah. Um, propagate. Yeah, no, I would say encourage. Support it. I mean, when you have state after state having it up till and after the point of delivery, then you that's supported. But so I would vote libertarian because I'm I'm also want to decrease the power of the state and increase personal freedom, which then does go against the abortion, and that's this right. battle in my mind that that I struggle with, and I don't I've not come down on a, a side that my brain is comfortable with on that. Well, you have, though. You're not voting not for voting. a Democrat no matter right, what. Right. You're, for all the, you know, the, ah, I can't make up my mind. That one? Yeah, that was pretty strong. Is yeah. that the one? <laughs> the gnashing you, of teeth said abortion. It's not is the that? only, but it is, there's religious freedom as well. But I couldn't vote for a Republican right now because I don't see any that really care about not spending so much money, not keeping us out of war. So there's the war issue. There's national budget. Yeah, there's all of those factors. And and the Republicans have done a terrible job of all of that. And so I I just can't align with that anymore. They just don't reflect the values that I hold. And I don't think it's helpful for the evangelical Christian bloc to support just for that one purpose— and, and that's where the Republicans have gotten their power. We we will do this one thing for you, but then they go and do all the other stuff that's really not good, and they also and they don't do the that. other thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me 47 times, shame on me. Mm. Well, so. I, I'm you know, looking at me like it's my, it's my <laughs> turn. I guess it's tennis. That's a, pers- that's a perspective you don't get on this show very often. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. So good common ground conversation. So. <laughs> <laughs> That could be, nice. I mean, that's podcast two. Yeah, I think to be continued. The return. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. Well, on that note, uh, godlessheathens at yahoo.com. Uh, Twitter, check us out at Godless Podcast. And Facebook, the Godless Heathens Podcast Discussion Group. It's closed. It's hidden. It's it's private. It's it's all those things. You, you can't find it. Super you, duper. Try. Just try and find it. You can't find it. <laughs> Shout out to our patrons, especially our, our friend, uh, Free thinker twenty one five. Whoa, whoa, you whoa, are, whoa, whoa! You are. Whoa, thank you. Two one five. You say. You know what? No. Yeah. You, you you say however do, you want. Do I need to read the email? I see the one that says you dumb fucks can't get the pronunciation of a that simple one, yeah. area code correct. Yeah. yeah. You know what? We, you know what? The fact. You know we met you. I don't know who you. I mean, I feel like he's uh, attacking hey, me. Uh, I think he's talking too squarely to you. You mispronounced it six times. Six times. Six times. Six. Thank. Say, I'll thank anybody that would listen to our podcast enough to find six. The sitting count. The same mistake. Count. Right. Yeah. You know what good are you? That. That's a. You know, hey, that'd be episode forty-six. That's an existential what, question. What, what good are you? <laughs> And Jeff, he makes a uh, uh, like we have stock in Overcast. Yeah, I've noticed you keep pushing Overcast. Yeah, yeah. What makes Overcast better than the Apple Podcast I, app? I, I don't yeah, know. Uh, defend yourself. I, I just like that it you know gives you the choice where you can easily delete it or you can you can download it while you're you know on Wi-Fi. Uh, I don't know. I, I understand it better. I'll say that. Old dogs do tricks. Old dogs do tricks. Basically, what he said there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Plus, the, plus there like is no it. Android app, and mm. we're all in favor of sticking it to the man. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So listen to us on Overcast if you have an iOS hey. device. Give us a five star rating at iTunes. Stop whatever you're doing and go to <laughs> iTunes. Give us the five stars. I can't, oh, I can't, give us all the stars. I can't wait for this wrap up because it says what it always says, mm-hmm. and. 
He's going to have to make something up yeah. on the fly. This is yeah. going to be good. Just go, go for it. Wait, we're not doing the recommendations? You forgot? Oh, we didn't. We, uh, you just messed me up there. All right. Well, we, you, 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 didn't, you didn't mean you could have just went with the end. Well, then, yeah, but that doesn't make <laughs> then sense. Then we could have come back to you next time. Oh, and yeah, I we, then we would then We, would we go. did forget a recommendation. What, what recommendation do you right. have? I don't, I don't have one this time. All right. So our book club for this month is uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which I started to watch whenever it first came out. The first season. Creeped out. Have you seen The Handmaid's Tale? I have not. I watched the first season. Yeah, and that's why I, I watched the first episode last time and got creeped out. So I rewatched that. I guess I'm going to watch the second one. It's it's definitely first season is really really good. I have not seen past. Well, it, and the first episode, yeah. the first season is it's supposed to follow the, the book, book yes. and that's why you know, Ashley like, yeah. said if you watch the video, you don't have to read the book. So this is one time I'm not going to read the book. I'm going to watch the video. Um, so I do recommend it. And that's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. It's yeah. on Hulu. Okay. Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, everybody. Yeah. But it's kind of scary because it's like where we could, almost reality-based. It's, yes. Where it could head. Where it could head. And you have... If we're a theocracy, <laughs> Tom. Ooh. Ooh, the ship. <laughs> oh. Still got one left. I, 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 I can do one turn, dig before we turn, 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 turn it a little bit. Just turn it a little bit. quiver. Just turn it a little Payback for him. Hey, but you know what? Thanks for coming, Tom. So I have two two very quick ones. One is not anything that I have seen, but rarely do I see my wife get absorbed in a, a show on any channel like she has by the Netflix show Blown Away, hmm. which is described as the must-watch glass-blowing competition Uh-oh. of the summer. Oh, oh no. What? Yes. Actual glass-blowing. Yes. Oh, so I've seen that I'll give, you a, I'll give you one line from the description in Esquire. Netflix dropped what might be the most absurdly niche television show in recent memory. In Blown Away, ten people compete in a glass-blowing competition where only one of them can win Best in Blow. Oh. <laughs> Seriously. And it is a... It's, it's a, my new obsession. <laughs> it's the... Oh, it's I, a, it's, oh. It is a glass-blowing reality show, but like... No. Like, no. like completely hooked on it. I'm on vacation like, this week. I really hope there's a marathon. Have you guys ever seen Netflix. it in Watch person? Okay, mm-hmm. it's on Okay, it's on Netflix. Oh, we were at Still Mountain oh. the other week. And it's amazing. It is. It is. It's it an is. art. Have you seen it? What? Glass uh, blowing yeah. in person. Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. definitely a, a lost art. She is. She has been, we were going to Dry County. She'd spend an hour talking about this. Like this, how okay. how how hooked she was on it. Um, so mm-hmm. this is a, mm-hmm. this is a, Kelly recommendation. My recommendation is Trapped Season 2, which is on Amazon Prime, which is the... Trapped? What is that? Trapped, man. It's the, trapped? It's Too many the, shows. It's the... What's Trapped? It's, it's, it's the Icelandic it's dark crime what? noir. Nothing in Trapped Season 1. It's in a fjord... There's always a fjord. There's always... It's up way up in, you know... This is going to sound redundant, but yeah. Northern Ireland, uh, Ireland, oh. Iceland, oh. and a car ferry comes into this isolated mountain fjord, harbor town, and there's a headless, limbless corpse found oh. in the found in the harbor, and then a giant blizzard basically snows everybody in, and 
everybody there's secrets there's, there's a killer on the loose yeah, the entry yeah. there's Icelandic scenery mm. it's awesome Tracked. sun really Tracked. doesn't go down it just kind of goes dusky for, it's you know, uh, pretty much dark yeah. and hmm. snowy and do you have to read it the whole time is there a lot of subtitles there well you can you can watch it dubbed or you can you can watch the subtitles read the subtitles I'm team subtitles. Okay. All right. Donna's not trap season Too much one. reading. Too much reading. Yeah, a lot of reading. All right. Yeah. I don't have one this time, so. Tom, do you have a recommendation? I didn't know we yeah, were well, bringing yeah, recommendations, okay. so I don't at this time off the top of my head. All right. can add one in later. Well, then right. go ahead and bring us home. With that, you know, open invitation to Jesus or Andy Stanley or Tom. Tom. Tom, Tom look at that. Good company. Yeah, there you go. We would definitely have you back. So anyway, that's that's all we have for this week. So well, we'll uh, thank, I mean, well, sincere, you, sincere thanks. Definitely, yes, absolutely. You know, um, well, in the feeling is mutual. Thank you for this. I hope that you get positive feedback and encouragement for this. And thank we're you. hoping to find a middle ground. You know, we don't want to come off as you know three people attacking mm-hmm. you know one kind of kind of right. thing. Mm-hmm. And and you know, so yeah, it was you know trying to find a happy balance. And if there's negative feedback, that's that's how, that's almost okay hey, too, because that'd give okay. us more topics. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> only only Christian I know that listens to the show. So I mean, that's if, right. yeah. if you want to come on the show, the, the data kind of shows. <laughs> Be a Christian listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It kind of it kind of works. All right, so. uh, you and your facts. Yeah. <laughs> well. This gets us back on track. We missed a week. We're back on track now. And uh, we'll see you all next time. my gun. He made me mad. The devil's bad. The devil is a bum. But the devil is my friend. The devil is my friend. Wherever I go, the devil will go. The devil is my friend. And Godzilla is my friend. Godzilla is my friend. Wherever I go, Godzilla go. Godzilla is my friend. And Shrenko was my friend. And Bridget was my friend. And Andrew Bob, he just popped off. Now Gorbachev is my friend. And Frank Sinatra is my friend.